You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Good morning, everyone, and uh, or evening or afternoon, uh, whenever you're listening to this. Today, we're in chapter six of Ephesians with the uh, famous passage about the armour of God. So, in essence, what's it about is growing your faith. Faith is what you need to withstand the attacks of the enemy. And uh, we are in a spiritual war. There is an enemy and uh, there are two big mistakes that people make about Satan. One is to think that he's like this all-powerful evil God equivalent, uh, which is not true. He's not all-powerful, he's not all-knowing, he's not everywhere, and uh, he's not like a dark side of, of God. It's not a yin and yang thing. But at the same time, the second mistake is to think that he doesn't exist or he's some sort of comic character with horns and a pitchfork. Satan is real, uh, but he's neither all-powerful nor insignificant. He's a creature in rebellion against the creator. He can't do anything uh, to God, so he works through us and he attacks us as a way of getting to God. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Peter warns us that the devil is our adversary. He attacks us because he's trying to get to God. Satan can lure good people into sin. He can encourage evil people to commit greater evil. Whatever he can make worse, he will. He works through events and through people to try and discourage Christians, to try and shake our faith, to make us lukewarm, ineffective Christians, or to make us give away our faith altogether. And here are some symptoms of spiritual warfare. If these things are happening in your life, it's a pretty good sign that you're under spiritual attack. Doubt, where you begin to doubt things you know to be true. Distraction, where you focus on other things, not necessarily bad things, but you focus on things away from the important things in life. Temptation, where you actually give in to sin. Loss of faith, loss of hope, loss of peace. If these things are happening in your life, it's a pretty good sign that you're under spiritual attack. But the good news is that Satan has been defeated through Jesus Christ on the cross. Through Adam, sin and death came into the world. Through Jesus, sin and death were conquered. Adam failed, Jesus prevailed. But you might ask, if Satan is beaten, why are we still fighting? And that's a really good question. And the the best analogy I can come up with relates to World War II. Yesterday was the anniversary of D-Day. 76 years ago, hundreds of thousands, millions of of people invaded Europe through France. It was a turning point in World War II. After the Allies had landed and had driven the Germans back from the coast, they had, they had defeated them in that significant battle. From that point on, Germans knew that they were defeated. The German generals knew they were defeated, but Hitler insisted that they fight to the last man, and so they did. They fought until they surrendered. 
but they were as effectively defeated on D-Day as they were 11 months later when they finally surrendered. And Satan is like that. He's been defeated. But he and his agents are fighting a rearguard battle. They're trying to put off the inevitable. So back to Ephesians. Paul is concerned that Christians are not prepared for spiritual warfare. I think it's pretty obvious that even today, most Christians are not prepared for spiritual warfare. So what Paul is doing, though, uh, is he's likening Christians to soldiers in a battle. And soldiers wore armour. And so he uses the armour as a metaphor, as a metaphor for the different skills and things that, that Christians need to do to increase their faith and strengthen their faith in this battle. And it doesn't matter whether you're a frontline soldier, like an evangelist or a missionary, or you're a support soldier. In, in the real world, even support soldiers can come under attack. And in a spiritual world, support soldiers are just as likely to be attacked as frontline soldiers. And talking about earthly battles, very rarely does the Australian Army send you anywhere nice. If the Australian Army sent you somewhere nice, it's probably by mistake. However, when the army does send you in harm's way, it gives you armour to wear. So here's a picture of me taken quite a few years ago wearing modern armour. There's a helmet to protect my head. There's ballistic goggles that will protect my eyes from explosions. There's Kevlar neck protection, Kevlar chest armour, and ceramic plates inserted in the Kevlar to stop even high-powered rounds. It's quite different from the armour that Paul describes, which would have looked more like this. But whether the armour is ancient or modern, its purpose is not only to keep the wearer safe, but to help the wearer fight in the battle that he is involved in. When Paul talks about armour, he's not talking about real armour. He's using a metaphor to help us remember the key components. What armour is, is a way of thinking and doing that will increase our ability to withstand the enemy's attacks. Paul's armour is a spiritual armour, and, and in by adopting these things, our faith will grow and we will be stronger to withstand the attacks of the enemy. So, the, And the main message of Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, is about standing firm, being able to withstand the attacks that Satan sends our way. I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 now. And as I go through, I'll point out some of the key words. So starting at verse 10 of Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Verse 10. Finally, Paul finishes his, his letter to the Ephesians with this illustration, this metaphor about armour, because it's the final point. And in a way, it sums up many of the things that he's spoken about earlier in Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Strong in the Lord, strength of his might. Paul wants us to be strong, but not in our own strength. We're using God's strength. And that's a bit of a relief, really, because our own strength is pretty insignificant, but God's strength is overwhelming. Verse 11, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the whole armour. Use everything. Don't just... Focus on one aspect. Develop all these areas in your life. 
Use all the resources that God provides so that you are strong enough to stand against the enemy. And not just not to stand idle, but to stand against, to withstand and to attack back the, the enemy's attacks against us. And it's probably not going to be Satan attacking you because there's only one of him. He's going to focus on the really spiritual people in the world. But Satan's not alone, and it'll be one of his uh, agents that will be doing the attacking. Verse 13, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. If you're going to make a stand for Jesus, the enemy and his resources will attack. Brace yourselves for that attack. Be prepared. Wear the armour. Have these things that Paul is now going to describe as part of your makeup. Not something that you think, oh, I better go and put that on. Wear it all the time. Because we have been resourced by God to be able to withstand these attacks that come our way. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We stand firm using the whole armour, not just this bit and that bit, but all the resources that God provides. And here's a list of our resources starting at verse 14. It's an incomplete list because there's lots more things that we can use in spiritual warfare. Uh, that things like you know worship and praise and love and the name of Jesus and many other things that the Bible talks about as things we can use in spiritual warfare. But Paul lists these ones because he's spoken about most of them throughout Ephesians. And, uh, and they're designed to strengthen our faith if we adopt them. So from verse 14, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Paul's listed truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the Bible, and prayer. He didn't assign prayer to a particular part of the armour, but prayer is as much a weapon and much part of our, our defence against spiritual attack as any of these other pieces of the armour. Adopting these things will make our faith stronger and help us withstand the spiritual attacks of the enemy. So let's unpack some of these ideas now, beginning with truth. Now you might say, I don't tell lies. Great, fantastic. But that's not what Paul is talking about. When he's talking about truth, he's talking about what is true and what is not true, particularly with respect to our worldview. About the devil, Jesus said in John 8, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, 
for he is a liar and the father of lies. Deception and lies are Satan's weapons of choice. For example, temptation. Temptation is a lie that if we do what we want to do, we will be happy. That's, that's why people give in to temptation. They think it'll be fun. I think they'll make them happy. It's a lie. Giving into temptation just makes people more miserable. If we listen to the lies of Satan, it's a means by which he can control us. But if we understand what is true, if we understand that giving into temptation doesn't bring happiness, that's, that's a part of our worldview that is true. If we know that, then we're less likely to give into temptation. When Satan tells us lies, if that contradicts what we know to be true about the world, we will recognize it as one of Satan's lies and not give into it. If we know what is true about God, if we know what is true about Jesus, if we know what is true about salvation, if we know what is true about the history of, the, of, of God's work with his people, then we will see the lies of Satan for what they are. Because truth frees us from Satan's lies. Truth frees us to love others as God loves us. Truth helps us see the world as it really is, not as Satan wants us to see it. Understanding what is true will help us grow in our faith. Truth helps us see the world as it is. Righteousness, interestingly, is about how God sees us. The bad news is that we have no ability to achieve righteousness in and of ourselves. But the good news is that Christ has done it for us. I've got, I'm going to read a really important Bible verse to you. It's a little bit complicated, but it is such an important verse. It's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. God made him, that's Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is an amazing truth. It's called the great exchange. Jesus gets our sin and we get his righteousness. Let that sink in. Just how amazing is that? Jesus gets our sin and we get his righteousness. Not because of anything good that we've done, not because we are so wonderful. We get it because of what Jesus has done. He died for us so that we could have his righteousness. But Satan will constantly tell you, you're not good enough. You're a sinner or you make mistakes, or you're a bad person. And like all lies, it's powerful because it's half true. Our own righteousness is like filthy rags. We are sinners. We are not good enough. But our righteousness before God is not dependent on what we do. It's nothing that we should do that any man should boast, Paul says in Ephesians. We are righteous because of what God has done because of his promises to us, what he has given us, because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has done the great exchange. He's taken our sin and given us his righteousness. God doesn't look at you and see your mistakes. God looks at you and sees Jesus' righteousness. That means we can stand before God. 
And that's good news. It brings us peace of mind. We don't have to listen to Satan's attack at us, telling us we're not good enough. Because it's true, we're not good enough. But that's not important. What is important is that Jesus is good enough. And that's the good news that brings us peace of mind to overcome the doubts and lies of the enemy. Earlier in Ephesians 2.14, Paul says of Jesus that he is our peace. He is the source of peace. If you're not at peace, connect to the source. Today we're in the midst of a global crisis. Satan is using it to help Christians lose their peace. Daily we are flooded by messages from all different sorts of media about the number of people dying, about riots, about disasters, about tragedies and conflicts. And these messages can make even strong Christians lose their peace. If all they do is focus on those messages and don't look at them in the bigger context, have a better worldview, understand what is true according to God, not what the media tells you is true. The messages coming into our homes want to destroy our peace. Now, I'm not saying these things like the coronavirus and riots and, and disturbances and conflicts are caused by Satan, but Satan can use them to tell us his lying messages so that we will be disturbed and distressed and that we'll be worried. Friends, if you can maintain your peace while all around you the world is losing their mind, you'll be like a beacon of light and hope in this terrible situation that we find ourselves in. Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, that he'd learn to be content in all circumstances. And so too can we through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. Jesus' strength can help us to be at peace in the midst of this terrible situation that we find ourselves in. Just because the rest of the world is losing their collective minds doesn't mean that we have to go along with them. Which brings me to the shield of faith. Paul talks of flaming arrows or fiery darts, depending on your translation. They're a weapon that's used to demoralise an opposition. You think about an army attacking a castle. They can fire arrows at it till the cows come home, but that doesn't get them into the castle. Satan's fiery darts can't conquer us, but they can sap our morale to the point where we surrender, and that's what he wants us to do. He can't force us to lose our faith, but he can make us so discouraged that we surrender our faith. What protects us from the fiery darts, from these flaming arrows? The shield of faith. When Satan's fiery arrows come your way, turn to God for both comfort and protection. Please note, I'm not saying that Satan's arrows uh, are not real or they don't hurt. Whether it's global disasters or personal conflicts uh, or attacks of doubt or just plain feeling miserable and down. These things are not going to go away by themselves. But a big part of the solution is to focus on God, not the arrows. One of the things that I like uh, and that I've done, and I've probably said this before, 
is I keep a record of all the times I've been blessed by God. All the times that I can see clearly God has stepped into my life and done something amazing. And it is so helpful when I'm under attack or when things are going bad or I'm feeling doubtful, I can go back and I can encourage my faith by looking at the times that God has worked in my life and done miraculous things. And it restores my confidence that God knows what's going on and he's in charge and my faith in him is strengthened. Job says in uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 21, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job's faith helped him endure a terrible crisis in his life, something I hope none of us ever have to experience. But our faith, like Job's faith, can be a shield, can protect us from those things. But faith, like a muscle, needs to be exercised so it will grow. And that's why going back and remembering the, the times that God has worked good in our lives can be so helpful because it restores our faith and helps us strengthen our faith and helps us to grow in faith. So look for times in your life where God has been there and grow your faith from those events. Because our faith is one of the things that will protect us from those fiery darts of the enemy. The fiery darts can't destroy our faith. But we can surrender our faith if our morale drops so low. Faith leads us to salvation. And Paul talks about salvation. He's already said in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Many Christians, when they're asked, Are you going to heaven? will say something like, Well, I hope so. Friends, I hope so means you don't know. You hope you will, but you don't know. The good news about salvation is that it doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. As Paul says, it's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Salvation is what Jesus offers us. Our salvation is entirely dependent on the grace and the promises of God. And God always keeps his promises. If you belong to Jesus, you're saved. Satan will tell you, you're not good enough. And so when they're asked, are you going to go to heaven? People say, I hope so, because they're very much aware of just how they're not good enough. But we don't get to heaven because we're good. We don't get to heaven because we've done good things. We get to heaven because it's a gift from God. Salvation is for those who believe in Jesus and who have surrendered their lives to Jesus in return Jesus gives us eternal life. Doubting our salvation is part of Satan's spiritual attack on us. But the belt of truth, which helps us to understand what goes on, and the shield of faith destroy that attack. They give us the confidence we need to stand firm in this war. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word of God will strengthen our faith. The word of God has all the answers we need. But it's no good collecting dust on your shelf. You need to get into it. When Jesus was attacked by Satan, when he was fasting in the wilderness, he defended himself against every single attack by replying, it is written, and then quoting 
from the scriptures. And in doing so, Jesus was not only defending himself, but he was turning the attack back on Satan. The Bible, the word of God, is the sword of the spirit. The Holy Spirit makes the Bible come alive. So ask to be filled with the spirit. When you sit down to read the Bible, ask the spirit to reveal to you what message God has for you. An atheist can sit down and read the Bible from cover to cover as great literature and emerge at the end of Revelation still an atheist. But a Christian has the Holy Spirit present in their lives and the Holy Spirit can make the word of God come alive. It's a living thing. And the Spirit will pass on to you the word of God, messages to you and to your heart. And the better we know the word of God, the better we're able to both defend ourselves and turn the attack back on Satan. So ask the Spirit to come into your life and to reveal the messages from God in the word. And we do this through prayer. Prayer is as much a part of our armament as all the other things that Paul has mentioned. In fact, prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that we have in the spiritual battle because prayer invites God into our lives. And God's strength is so much greater than ours. With God on our side, who can stand against us? We may be isolated, but we're not alone. And we can bring everything to the Lord in prayer. Each day we can take our cares and concerns to him and come back with his peace. Just as often as we can take our thankfulness and adoration to him and come back strengthened in our faith. Prayer can be a short, swift one or it can be a long, meditative one. There are prayers of confession and prayers of praise and prayers of thanksgiving. And there's prayer requesting strength to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Prayer that brings comfort by being in his presence. Whatever our circumstances, we can pray. We can pray for others. We can pray for ourselves. We can pray for the kingdom of God to expand. We can pray for the church. We can pray for the world. And we can pray with perseverance. That, my friends, is the armour of God. That's Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. What next? Friends, our faith can grow or it can shrink. Some people can lose their faith entirely. But the armour of God is designed to protect us from the faith-sapping attacks of the enemy. Protect us from his lies and his distortions and his deceptions. Here is how we can use those resources in summary. Number one, truth. Know what is true so we are not misled by the lies of the enemy. The more truth we know, the easier it is to recognise lies. Two, understand it is Jesus who makes us righteous. So we don't think it is our efforts. We are righteous through Jesus Christ. Three, be at peace in the world with God. So you're able to withstand the enemy's attacks. If you have that inner peace, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that comes from God, the world can fall apart around you and you will still be at peace. Four, exercise your faith and it will grow. Trust God in all circumstances and you will be able to withstand the attacks. Five, know that you are saved. Knowing that you are saved, you will be free from the doubt that Satan attacks you with. Six, be filled with the Holy Spirit and be familiar with the word of God, not just for ourselves, but so we can help others become effective soldiers for Christ. 
pray regularly. All sorts of prayers. Short arrow prayers, long meditative ones, prayers of praise and thanksgiving, prayers of intersection. Pray and grow closer to God. Do these things and your faith will grow and you will persevere and withstand the attacks of the enemy. These things will equip us to resist the devil in the times of crisis such as we are in now. In many ways, it's been so appropriate to focus on the armour of God. The the COVID virus, the riots, the protests, um, plagues, wars, destruction, everything that's going on in the world around us. These things are parts of the spiritual attack that we are facing. The armour of God will help us live in this world. So to summarise, there's a spiritual war going on around us. Satan wants us to either lose our faith or just become lukewarm, ineffective Christians. Paul, on the other hand, wants to inspire Christians to stand firm in the battle and be strong for God, to be able to resist the devil and his demons. We're not passive bystanders. We are soldiers in this battle. Whether we are frontline soldiers or support soldiers, we are all under threat. But we are not on our own. We have been bought with a price. And the one who paid that price loves us and cares for us and gives us the resources that we need to grow and develop in our faith. And if we do that, Our faith grows and we are stronger and stronger every day. We become like pillars of light in the darkness around us. So make an effort to adopt the resources that God has provided. As you do, you'll probably find two things. An increase in attacks, because Satan doesn't want you to be a strong Christian. But also, and more importantly, you will discover that you're developing in your faith and you will grow stronger. Here are three things to think about and to do this week. One, learn more about each piece of armour. I've given you a brief overview. Study them in depth. Two, see if you are missing any pieces of these armour in your own makeup. And three, look for ways to apply these things in your life. Ask some trusted Christian for advice if you're struggling. Understand, Satan doesn't want effective Christians. He doesn't want people to be Christians at all. He wants to shake your faith. And if he can't destroy it, then he wants you to be so lukewarm and so ineffective that you'll actually take up resources that could be used to expand the kingdom of God. He does not want the kingdom of God to grow. Don't be ineffective. Don't be lukewarm. Do be full of faith and truth and the word of God. Do be enthusiastic for the kingdom of God. Know that you are saved and righteous before God. Pray and persevere and stand firm. Friends, I'd like to close now with a benediction based on the armour of God. Know what is true. Accept Jesus' gift of righteousness be at peace in the world with God. Have faith in God and trust him. Be confident in your salvation. Believe and be familiar with the word of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray regularly and you will persevere.
God bless you all. Amen.